The Cincinnati Bengals are in the Super Bowl against the Los Angeles Rams this weekend. We'll be in LA this Saturday. Uh, myself, Michael, Colin, Brian and Mark popping up later on. Colin, welcome in. Before we start, the Irish NFL show presented by Matchbook Betting Exchange. £20.20 20 or welcome offer. Money back as cash. First bet loses this weekend on the Super Bowl. Uh, more on that later on. T's and C's below. And thank you to Matchbook for their continued support. We're also presented by Trust Gaming. We want to bring in our first guest ahead of a big big weekend in the NFL, the Super Bowl. Super Bowl in SoFi Stadium. Delighted to welcome back Mo Egger from ESPN Cincinnati, among other outlets as well. Mo, we said we'd bring you back on. You went to Kansas City. You beat the Chiefs. Didn't just beat the Chiefs, Mo. You came back from arguably, you know, what, 20, whatever, three. Uh, oh, my God. Congratulations for a start, and welcome back. It's good to be here with you guys. It's, uh, it's a pretty surreal time here in Cincinnati, but a lot of fun. Mo, um, I, I suppose, look, the, the, the victory against the, the Chiefs, you're away at Arrowhead. You know, we all know we talked about it, the, the noise. Down 21-3, backs against the wall. Mahomes is having a game for the ages and everything he touches. He's like King Midas, right? Everything he touches uh, turns to gold. And all of a sudden, you know, everything changes. When needed, the Bengals' offense steps up, the Bengals' defense steps up, and then that second-half performance where they put the squeeze on Mahomes unlike really anything we've seen, because it was different. Last year in the Super Bowl, it was his O-line, and he was kind of running for his life. This wasn't that. This was an absolute, like, domination. I think, what what was it, 2.4 yards he was held to um, per play in the, in the second half? Can you talk us through, I suppose, like as a as a fan of the Bengals, what was that like watching the team come back and watching that second half performance in particular? Um, it was you. I, I was gonna say, you know, you can't believe it, but you know, honestly, this team has defied expectations so many different times. They played the Chiefs at Paul Brown Stadium twenty eight days prior. They were down fourteen points on three different occasions. I'm not going to tell you that at 21 to three, I I thought the Bengals were going to win. I did feel like they would respond with something. I didn't think this was going to end 42 to three. I didn't think this was going to end with just utter embarrassment. I'd be lying if I told you I thought it was going to end with a Bengals victory. But you just you had a sense that the way this team had played all season, the way they had played against Kansas City the first time, th- that they were going to respond with something. And so you know, to me, you start with. Samaj P. Ryan, of all the offensive weapons, Samaj P. Ryan's the guy that sort of changes things offensively with that 41-yard touchdown pass. And then what Kansas City does at the end of the first half, to me it just felt like it opened the door. You know, they got greedy. I put it more on Patrick Mahomes than I do Andy Reid. But, dude, get three points there. No matter what you do, you get three points, you get the ball to start the second half. But it was really when they got the stop to start the second half that you started to think, you know what, this could happen. Um, number one, they were buying Joe Burrow some time. Number two, you got the sense that they had made the kind of adjustment you need to on defense. Um, they dared the Kansas City Chiefs to run it. They refused. I'm still not sure why the Chiefs abandoned their running game. They made things uncomfortable enough for Patrick Mahomes where there weren't that many windows uh, within uh, w- with which he could throw. Um, they got the B.J. Hill interception. That felt enormous. It's one of the biggest plays in recent franchise history. But, you know, all of that is all of that unfolds. And then there you are up three in the waning moments in Kansas City's driving. And there was a sense of 
maybe not inevitability, but you kind of felt like, all right, best case, this is going to go to overtime. And then if it does, you better not lose the toss. Uh, they played great defense near the goal line. I uh, did a great job of covering everybody. Um, I thought the Chiefs were a little bit too preoccupied with the clock and not so much the scoreboard. Um, they go to OT. Kansas City's offense in the second half looked so sort of, and here's a term you don't hear all that often, janky, that I felt like it's not inconceivable that they get a stop in overtime. It didn't have that sense of inevitability that it did against Buffalo, where you thought whoever wins the toss wins the game. I liked the way the Bengals had defended. Uh, you could tell they were doing a really good job in coverage and not creating many small windows for Mahomes to throw in. They ultimately got the pick from Von Bell. And when the Bengals got the football back, especially with the kicker they have, you kind of had a sense, as long as they don't screw this up, this team's going to the Super Bowl. I made all that sound really easy and really unemotional, but living it in real time was torturous. I wanted to vomit at the end of regulation. I couldn't, I, people were having these debates about what well, do you let the, the Chiefs score at the end of regulation? I couldn't do that. I couldn't process that mentally. All I could think of was if they blow this, am I going to throw up? And if they win, uh, am I going to throw up? I, it was it was an emotional roller coaster and I've gone back and watched it and it it's, it's, so I've, I've watched it from a more sort of logical, maybe slightly analytical standpoint, but in real time, it was something that uh, I'll never forget experiencing as they mounted their comeback, staved off the chiefs at the end, got the ball in overtime, drove down to field goal range and had Evan McPherson make uh, maybe the biggest kick in the history of the Cincinnati Bengals. And it was one thing more, I think I messaged you on our Monday or Tuesday after the game saying, and I, I really mean it, I don't think there's a deserving fan base more than the Bengals. Like they've waited so long for this moment and just seeing the reaction from Bengal fans in the UK and Ireland. I spoke to a few fans in Ireland this week and, you know, they're they're near tears even thinking about, about, about this weekend and it's just going to be an incredible weekend. Now, the one thing that's really entertained me over the last few days, I'm not sure if Colin's seen this, Jim, Jim Ersay from the Colts has put a tweet up saying <laughs> he's sending two pairs of Bengals fans to the Super Bowl. Now you like some of your tags in this have been have been incredible. I'm wondering have you won? Are you heading over to SoFi? What's what's the crack there? What what's going on there? Um so he 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 uh sent the tweet out about sending the Bengals to uh or sending Bengals fans to the Super Bowl. And I to me I was just messing with Jim. I was just messing around and sort of being silly and I, honestly I I started sharing photos of myself in Bengals, because he was looking for hardcore Bengals fans. And I was I was sort of screwing with my buddies who were in some of the photos that I was in. I was sort of making a commentary about how whenever you have a team that kind of comes from nowhere, there are people who, as we say here, gatekeep fandom and love to tell you, well, I was a fan back when they stunk and you weren't. And so I, I always laugh at that because I don't, I don't know that there's a right or wrong way to be a sports fan. So I was sort of mocking the idea that, well, I was this hardcore fan when none of you people were. And I was really just screwing around. I was also trying to bring attention to, here's a guy, if you want to go to the Super Bowl, follow Jim Ursay and retweet him here. He's given away a couple of tickets. And lo and behold, he did. I I, I wasn't, I wasn't doing it thinking I was going to win Super Bowl tickets from Jim Ursay. And, and I, I don't think I deserve them more than some of the people who, uh, who also entered his contest and obviously the people who won. I was really just trying to have a little fun on Twitter, which is what I often try to do. The problem is sometimes when you're having fun on Twitter, you can find a miserable person who doesn't want to have any fun at all. And I certainly encountered those people as well. 
Yeah, it's always the the danger uh, with, with Twitter. <laughs> but um, maybe before we go into the game it, itself, can you talk to us a little bit about Duke Tobin and and the job he's done I, with that surname? He's got to be have some Irish roots, right? <laughs> I think so. I don't know if anybody's asked him. Uh, Duke Tobin deserves, deserves a lot of credit for what he's done, and he flies under the radar because he doesn't own the title of general manager. Um, and, and I think so because of that, what he does sort of escapes the notice of people who don't take a deep dive into uh, the job that he's done and the way this team operates. And, you know, you start with Zach Taylor. Um, one of the more striking images for me in recent Bengals history was when they hired Zach Taylor. Uh, there is a shot at the, the the podium of Mike Brown, the owner, Zach Taylor, the coach, and Duke Tobin. And the message was clear. This is Duke Tobin's decision. And Mike Brown said as much. So you start there. It appears he's hired the right coach. And then, you know, you give ownership credit for arming Duke Tobin with the ability to build the team in a modern way using free agency. But most of the free agency decisions they've made have worked. And they, they had to overpay some guys. They had to overpay but good players to want to come here. That's just what you have to do at some point. The Bengals typically, frankly, don't do that, but they did it. They overpaid DJ Reader. That move has worked. Uh, and then if you go back to just the way they've sort of uh, assembled the pieces on defense, they've made some decisions that have really worked out. I said before the season that the Bengals led the league in guys that when you watch this team, you go, oh, that guy's with the Bengals now? Or wait a minute, I remember him. He's in the C still in the NFL They've gotten a lot of mileage out of some of those guys. Think of Eli Apple. I think maybe to a degree, Von Bell. The decision to sign Trey Hendrickson and bypass the opportunity to bring back Carl Lawson. Trey Hendrickson is going to go down, I think, as one of the best free agent acquisitions in the history of this franchise. Um, Riley Reef has gotten hurt and hasn't played in the postseason, but the decision to make him a target in free agency on the offensive line when all anybody could talk about for months and months and months and months was go get Joe Tooney. Not that Joe Tooney would have been bad, but they found an option that could help them make them help make them a little bit better on the offensive line. And then, you know, you look at the draft and, you know, clearly it was a no brainer to take Joe Burrow. But their decision making when it came to Jamar Chase versus Panay Sewell, it wasn't so much about one player versus the other. It was about a philosophy. And their philosophy was we can do we can we can get to a different place offensively by making slight improvements on the offensive line having an elite core of wideouts, having dudes who are always going to get open. We'll take that combined with our quarterback, gaining more experience and being really smart. That's going to keep him out of harm's way. They know they have to upgrade the offensive line, but what they've done is made just enough of an improvement in that area that that combined with being great on the outside with Jamar Chase has taken this offense to an entirely different level. But it's not just Burrow and Chase. Logan Wilson, uh, Jesse Bates, Evan McPherson, T. Higgins, They've done a really good job in recent years. You know, you include Sam Hubbard in the conversation, Joe Mixon in the conversation, who was frankly a, a controversial pick that I I wasn't nuts about the Bengals taking him. Uh, but but he has justified their their faith in him and their trust in him. And some of those guys go back to the previous coaching regime. But whether it be some of the decisions made in free agency, the decisions made in the draft, uh, his role in hiring Zach Taylor. I think you have to give Duke Tobin a lot of credit for the job he's done because when they drafted Joe Burrow, you can say, well, all you had to do was get a quarterback and it, you know everything else was going to fall into place. And certainly the most important piece did fall in place. But when they drafted Joe Burrow, remember the national conversation was, if Joe goes to Cincinnati, the organization's going to fail him. And while I don't think the Bengals have built a great roster, they certainly haven't failed him. 
and they've built him a roster good enough to go with him to the Super Bowl. Last one from Mimo. Uh, I'm going to ask the obvious question. You look at that Rams defense. Does that scare you as a Bengals fan and Bengals analyst as well? Or how how does Burrow how does Burrow on that Bengals offense get past that defense? Because that defense is scary, even for me watching it. I think Aaron Donald's the best player in the NFL, and not not best defensive player, not best defensive lineman. I think he's the best player in the NFL. He, he can he can single handedly destroy everything you're trying to do in the game. Uh, and so th- that to me is the question of this game a week from Sunday. How do you start with him? What do you do? How do you keep him from destroying you? We saw what the Tennessee Titans did against Cincinnati on the interior of that defensive line. There's There are very few players in the league who you could just say block Aaron Donald. So what can they come, come up with schematically to keep Aaron Donald from wreaking havoc? And, you know, I, I put a lot of that on Joe Burrow as well because he's going to get hit and he's going to get sacked because of – breakdown and pass protection because Von Miller can come after you because that great Rams front led by Aaron Donald, they're, they're going to get pressures. Okay. What about the times when the pressure is there, but Joe's got time to get rid of it. Does he hold on to it too long, which we saw against Tennessee. So that brings up questions about coverage. You start with Jalen Ramsey. Let's assume Jalen Ramsey and, and Jamar Chase spend most of the afternoon with each other. Does Jalen Ramsey blanket Jamar Chase? And if the answer is yes, does T. Higgins have the kind of game that the that he had against uh, Kansas City? And does Joe get him the ball? That to me is what this game comes down to. And does does the Rams do the Rams force turnovers? The Bengals, I think we talked about this last week. They're twelve and one now this season when they don't lose the turnover battle. It's very very simple. When they don't turn it over, or when they turn you over more than you turn them over, um, the Bengals win. Their last six games that have meant anything, that's been their M.O. Sometimes they've been explosive, sometimes not so much. But um, if they don't turn it over, they win. So does the pressure created by L.A.'s front turn into turnovers? Because against Tennessee, the answer was no. It might have taken them out of field goal range, might have put them in third and longs, things like that. But they didn't force Joe into making the kind of play that could have sent that game going the other way. So that, to me is really, really worth paying attention to. And then, you know, from a, from a Cincinnati perspective on defense, it's it's remarkable. I don't think this has ever happened in the NFL where a team wins three consecutive postseason games in which their last play on defense is a pick, is a turnover. They have been very opportunistic. They have made the right plays at the right times. Does that continue? And then what's the plan for Cooper Cup? But, yeah, getting back to, the, to, your, uh, to your question, that Rams defense is insane, and it starts – Zach Taylor talked about this when they played in London two years ago. Um, He said, you know, they sit down and they're watching film. And Zach had obviously been in Los Angeles uh, working with the offense the year before, and they're watching film with Aaron Donald. And he and Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator, just looked at each other while while they're watching tape, and they just laugh because the dude is so good. So what can they come up with with two weeks to prepare for a guy that I think is the best player in the NFL? That is going to be fascinating to, to get the answer to. Absolutely. And uh, obviously, if you come up with a plan to stop Donald, then you got to figure out a way to to take care of Von Miller uh, on the other side. But um, Mo, finally, before we let you go, I suppose, um, interested in, in like your game pick. But also, we spoke about him a lot the last time and Joe Burrow. It, mm-hmm. When when the stakes are the highest, that he he doesn't he seems to respond best to pressure. I mean, there are a lot of great QBs, a lot of great head coaches who 
pressure does funny things to people. And I say that as a, a Broncos fan, Peyton Manning pressure did funny things to Peyton. But mm -hmm. Burrow, when it comes to championship games, when it comes to the playoffs, it doesn't matter whether he's getting hit nine times. It doesn't seem to matter when his back is against the wall and he's an arrowhead. He seems to be able to, you know, meet that pressure, meet that expectation and go about his business. On the biggest stage, is he going to continue to be able to, to do that? And can you see a way that the, the Bengals can beat the Rams? If it's if it's a big game, I'm not betting against Joe Burrow. He's he's proven at least thus far in his college and professional uh, football career when the stakes are at their highest, he's at his best. And there's just some athletes you say that about. I mean, you know, that's uh, it, and it's not that he's bad when the stakes are not so high. He's he's been better than advertised here in Cincinnati, but it's it's uncanny. Um, the, the way in which he has played in, you know, huge games at LSU with the SEC title up for grabs and the college football playoff. And then, you know, obviously here in Cincinnati in the postseason, I think I, I think it's interesting. You know, you could talk about the way he's played in the playoffs and you can say, well, you know what? He still has his best ball in front of him because he hasn't played great. You know, he's been really, really good. But, it, it, you know, if you would have said to most of us, the Bengals are going to go to the Super Bowl, we would have said it's because Joe Burrow just torches everybody. Well, you know, that they, they've kicked a bunch of field goals and they've played well on defense and they haven't turned it over and Burroughs made some pretty big throws. So a week from Sunday, do you finally get that breakthrough game or does him not being at his absolute best catch up to this team? I think that's a fair question. But if it's a big game and the game is close and Joe Burrow has a chance to do something about it in the waning moments, I'm not betting against him until there's reason for me to bet against him. This Rams team is really, really good. Uh, and their defense, we've talked about some of the particulars, but, you know, we said it about the Kansas City game. Get me to the fourth quarter, have me within a score, get the ball in Joe Burrow's hands, going to feel like I got a shot. That happened, and the Bengals won the game and Joe came through. If if this game a week from Sunday can sort of unfold the same way, and you're telling me in the fourth quarter this game is going to be in doubt and Joe can have something to do about it, I'm going to feel pretty good as a Bengals fan that they're going to win the game. At Mo Egger on Twitter, Mo ESPN Cincinnati. All right, listen, Mo, thank you so much for coming on. Look, if the Bengals win, we'll, we'll, we'll share a few jars, a few pints in LA uh, at the weekend, and, and we'll let's, see what happens. Let's, let's make that happen. Thanks so much for coming on the last couple of weeks, uh, Mo, and thank you for your support. Anytime, no problem, guys. Thanks.